You are listening to audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church on the corner of Ebenezer Church Road and Pleasant Green Road. If you would like to learn more about our church, please go to ebcconnect.org. Now, here is Pastor Bob with this week's sermon. Oh, the power of the cross. Thankful for the cross. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today and to be able to to share this time with you. Uh, I'm just so thankful for my brothers and sisters in Christ, the opportunity to just gather together and be encouraged and to uh, just just to worship together. Isn't that sweet? It's just a great thing to be able to come into the house of the Lord. Um, Go ahead and be opening your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. We're going to be looking at verses 18 through 20 this morning. Before we get to that, I just want to uh, let you know about some of the things that have been happening in my life this week, and some of you may have been experiencing these same type of things. Uh, Since the last time I I preached two weeks ago, and I encouraged all of us to to be in the Word and and allow the Word to work in us and through us and to influence us as we impact not only our families, but our culture, Uh, God has been laying some things on, on my heart and Suzanne as we have I've been starting to read through the Bible together and discuss that. We've started to uh, go through a devotion in the evenings that has to do with uh, Come to Me, uh, just a call to repentance and revival in a personal way in our own lives. And so we read that each night and pray together. Uh, Wednesdays here at the church, there's opportunity for not only us, but anybody who's available to come by from 10 till 1. And just this sanctuary is open just to be able to come and pray that God would stir our hearts to to personal revival and that we would see a spiritual awakening in our, in our community. And just as all of this has been taking place, you can probably imagine what happens as a result of that. Do you agree with me that we have an enemy? Amen? It's a reality of the spiritual life that we have an enemy, someone. Now look, we, we need to make sure we understand who the enemy is, okay? The enemy is not your spouse. The enemy is not uh, the person who pulls for that other team. The enemy is not your boss. The enemy is Satan. The enemy is clearly identified in Scripture. He is real. He wants to devour. He wants to deceive. He wants to distract, and he wants to discourage. And all of us need to understand that today. We have an enemy who wants to tear us down. And and that reality has been part of our lives this week even. As we've enjoyed the, the joy of going through all the things that I just described, we also have seen the enemy at work. And I must admit that I have fallen into that trap and been sinful in my own thought life and the things that I've said even this week. Some petty things, things that didn't even matter when you step back and look at how they fit into the grand scheme of things. Uh, On the way to the church one day, just a simple conversation in the car. My wife asked me a question, and I snapped back at her. And immediately, it was this conviction in my heart of like, that was not a proper response. So the wonderful thing is, as we pulled in the parking lot and, and stopped right down there beside my office door, that we just prayed together. And, and she just put her hands on me and just prayed over me because we knew exactly where this was coming from. And the reason I'm bringing all this up right now is, is what we're talking about as a series, Tell Someone, the idea of we uh, are ambassadors for Christ. So we have the opportunity to go and share our faith, not just as we go on trips, but just everyday life, that we have this opportunity, that we have an enemy who's going to try to distract and destroy and and tear us down. And we need to come against that enemy in the power of Jesus Christ, the power of that we just sang about, the power of the cross, the power of the blood that was shed, that we have someone in us who is greater than he who is in the world. 
We need to claim that victory. We need to stand on that victory. And as we prepare just to hear God's word this morning, we need to prepare our hearts in a way to where we say, God, protect from distraction. Help me to be open to what you want to say to me this morning. So I just want to pray even before we read scripture this morning. You can stay right where you are. If you want to kneel, that's fine. If you want to, whatever, it's the posture of your heart before God Almighty that, that is really what matters. So join me as we pray this morning and then we'll get into the scripture. Let's pray. Oh God, we just thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege to be able to come into your presence. Lord, you have made this way possible. You have allowed it, Father, by, the, by your grace. It is not anything that we've deserved or earned. It is all because of your grace that you have allowed us to enter into your presence. And that's through the blood of Christ, through the torn flesh. That is, it's not just the veil, the literal veil that was torn, but it was his flesh that was torn in so that we could enter into this relationship and enter into your presence. So we, we thank you, Lord, for that grace that you have extended to us. And the truth of that reality now is that we stand before the throne of grace, and we, we stand here, Lord, Lord, boldly, because you not only have made the way, but you invite us in. You desire for us to come into your presence. So we come boldly and we come humbly because we know we don't deserve it, and we recognize who we are in our position before you, a righteous and a holy and a perfect God. So Lord, as we stand here at this place, at this time, uh, before you, prepared to look into your word, Father, we ask that you would do a supernatural work in our hearts and in our minds. Lord, that you would open us up, open us up in the depths of our heart to, to be able to do a work that only you can do and that you desire to do in our hearts, Lord. Help us to just to see and to understand and to grasp and to taste and see and to just not only embrace it, but to live it, Lord, the things that you show us. Help us not just to go through an exercise of showing up and checking off a box that we went to church and we listened to a sermon and we sang some songs. No, Lord, but we have been in your presence and as a result of being in your presence, we have been changed. So, Lord, do a supernatural work right now through the power of your word, your word that changes hearts and changes lives. And we know that it's because of your Holy Spirit working through your word in us, Lord, that it makes the difference. So we invite you in now. We thank you that we don't have to call you down. You're already here, Lord. You're already working. You're already present. And we praise you this morning. Lord, we thank you that our, our praise and worship is not only in the singing. It's also in the giving, and it's also in the preaching and teaching and the hearing of your word. So the worship continues now, Lord, as we look at the word of God. And we thank you for it. We thank you for the body of Christ that we can gather together today in unity by the power of your spirit. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to invite you to stand, if you're able, as we honor the reading and the hearing of God's holy word in Matthew chapter 28. And we're going to be looking at verses 18 through 20. Matthew 28, starting in verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end 
of the age. Okay, you may be seated. Very familiar passage of Scripture, and uh, I, I, to be honest with you, I looked at this passage and I was thinking, okay, people have heard the Great Commission so much, and it's, it's used, and we read those words, and it sounds so familiar that sometimes we just kind of glaze over and go, I've heard this before, and, and, and maybe it just gets in the way of what God wants to do. And so I looked at other passages, I studied different things, and every time that I did, it kept bringing me back to this passage of Scripture. And I, and I think that's important to understand that we need to not only be familiar with what the Great Commission says, but we need to understand that it explains a lot of the, the why we share the gospel, the, the where, the how. All these questions are encompassed in this passage of Scripture. So as we look at the Great Commission this morning, I'm going to back up and, and uh, just add my two cents, so to speak, into the why question. Pastor Bob hit on that last week. But it, it'll give a bridge and lead into the, uh, the when and where questions that we're going to address with this second session of tell someone when and where to share the gospel. But first of all, to backtrack a little bit on why. Well, two things that are specifically brought out, out in the study and that Pastor Bob hit on last week as well. First of all, that we are commanded and that we should care. We, they, that we are commanded and we should care. So... Um, Bob mentioned it already this morning, but the care part, that we were challenged with this, that we have a heart for, for people, uh, the heart that God has for people, and that very often, we just don't have that, so we need to pray for God to stir our hearts to, to love people and to see people like he does, but to have that heart to not only care for people, but also to meet the needs that they have, and, and that's, that's what we look at as we go and as we share, that we can meet the needs of the people that are around us. Uh, physical needs, and we, we certainly should do that, but also the most important need, never forgetting the spiritual need. So anytime we go to meet the physical need, we should always have the spiritual in mind as well, that as we go, we go because we care about people. We're also commanded, which I'm going to get to in just a minute. Before I touch on that one, just as I was preparing, God laid another word that starts with C, uh, and I just want to add it in here because it's relevant, it's very important that we are invited to come. We're invited to come. Even at the beginning of the Great Commission, we see a step here that Jesus took. Look at the very first part of it. It says, and Jesus came. So here we know there was a specific time that Jesus came, and he was addressing a specific situation. But the reality is that we think about the big picture of, of, of God Almighty, that he actually came to us. We could not get to him. He knew he had to come to us. So God came to us. And we understand the importance of, of God coming. He, Jesus came to us, and the neat thing is that he not only came to us, but he invites us to come to him. Isn't that a beautiful thing, that God Almighty invites us into the relationship with him? He invites us to come. And there's all kinds of passages um, in Scripture, and especially New Testament where we see come, the invitation to come. I'm just going to highlight three of them very quickly for you this morning because I think it's important to see uh, that we are called and asked and invited to come. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. That's right. So Jesus invites us that we have a lot of baggage, we have a lot of heaviness and things, but Jesus invites us into a relationship to where we can have rest and peace in him. Luke chapter 18, verse 22. Luke 18, 22. This is a situation where Jesus is encountering a rich young ruler. 
And uh, the verse 22 says, when Jesus heard this, his answers to the question, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. But he didn't leave it there. He said, and come, follow me. So Jesus was instructing him, not only did he need to give some things up, but he also needed to come and follow him. It was an invitation to come and follow. And then in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Luke 9, 23, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So another invitation from Jesus to to come and follow him. So accepting the invitation to come and follow involves putting something down and picking something up, right? So we see that in scripture a lot where we are to put something off and put something else on. Here's we understand the invitation to come. It's going to involve us giving up something and also taking something else on. See, our lives need to be given up for his life. We need to deny ourselves and take up the cross. We need to give up possessions and rights and anything that it is that we have that we're holding on to in life and say yes to Jesus, yes to that invitation to come and then take on whatever it is. Now, we see two things in view there. We saw the, the rest that we have. We, have that, we know and understand that we have rest in Jesus Christ. When we come to him, he takes away the burdens of the world and gives us peace and joy, something that's supernatural that only comes from him. But we understand that while we're promised that rest and that peace and that joy, it doesn't mean that we're promised uh, a pulling away or anything that will get away with the the, uh, the difficulties that we have in life as well. As we take up our cross and follow him, we know that the path ahead of us is gonna be difficult. It's gonna have some, some rough road. Jesus never promised to take away the difficulty, but he promised to be with us through those difficulties. So as we see that invitation to, to come, we also understand that we are commanded. And I just wanna take a minute to really focus on this before we jump into the when and where question. Uh, last, last week, Bob did mention as well as, as the idea of commanding that we, are we going to do what God asks us to do? Are we going to be obedient? Because God has given us instructions. But we need to understand that as a follower of Jesus Christ, we are no longer our own, right? We've been bought with a price. We belong to him as we surrendered our lives to him. He's giving us mar- given us marching orders. So the question I have for us this morning is who's in charge of your life? If you truly surrendered your life to Christ, who is in charge? Are you still in charge? Are you still on your throne? Because the reality of a follower of Jesus Christ, we have given up that right. We now follow one that we refer to as King Jesus. He is King, he is Lord, he is Savior. He is the one that we have given up our rights to. As this passage just said at the beginning of, uh, in verse 18, Jesus came and said to them, what did he say? All authority. Before he even gets into the instructions, he lays some groundwork here, and he says, all authority on heaven, in heaven and on earth has been given to who? Me, Jesus. All authority has been given to Jesus, not to us, but to him. He has all authority. Have you ever heard, maybe you heard this term growing up, maybe you've said it yourself, because I said so. Did your parents ever say that to you? Maybe you've said it to your kids, because I've said so. Now, 
Um, you may, you know, this is a whole nother conversation for good parenting. Is that just enough? Should we also, yeah, I, mean, I get all that. But the reality is when we understand authority, that there, there is strength behind the words because I said so. Now, I know humanly speaking, we're all fallen. We're not perfect. We have things that we go through. And sometimes the people who say, because I said so, we might push back against that a little bit. And you want to hear a little more about the reasoning behind it. But the reality is the one who created us, the one who has saved us, the one who sustains us has all authority. And the reality is because he said so is enough. Jesus Christ has, a, has the, the authority to tell us that. He is the one that we answer to. Now, we also know we're thankful that he is, a, he is a loving God. He is a gentle God. So we know he has a track record, and we can trust him. He has shown tremendous grace and forgiveness to us. He's not an authoritarian God, and we just, where he just puts the hammer down on us. We understand that he's a loving God as well, and we understand that our, that our answer to uh, because he said so is because we also understand that he is loving and that he delivers on his promises. There's also an interesting phrase that Jesus uses. Uh, if you do a study in John, and I encourage you to do this, it's a very interesting thing to look at the I am statements. Uh, there's seven that you could go through and unpack and metaphors at times, if you will. But in, in the book of John, Jesus uses these statements along the way. He says, I am the bread of life, the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. Seven I am statements. There's another I am statement in there in John chapter 8, verse 58. And this one's a little bit different. Jesus said in John 8, 58, recorded there, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. You need to understand the depth and the power of what this statement meant. It flew in the face of the religious leaders of that day who were standing there listening to him to the point where they were ready to pick up stones and stone him. Because what was Jesus doing there? He was claiming deity. I am. He was using the most powerful word that they understood in the way God described himself. I am. That they understood he was claiming to be God. So we understand that the one that we follow and we answer this question why, the one who gave us this great commandment, the great commission, <laughs> is that we understand that he is God and he has authority and he has the right and we as his followers need to listen to what he has to say. So we need to submit to and understand not only do we, the why do we go because we care and we should, because he cared and he came to us, but also because he commands us as his children, as his followers to go. And in case you missed it, uh, each gospel writer records a, a great commission passage along the way. Uh, I think these are listed in your bulletin, just the, the references, but Mark 16, 15, and he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. In Luke chapter 24, verses 47 and 48, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. And then in John chapter 20, verse 21, 
Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So we see the Great Commission being recorded by each of the writers of the Gospels. And then also in just a minute, we're going to look in the, the book of Acts and see another reference to the Great Commission there. But before we move on to the when and where questions, I want to ask a couple of questions as we think about the why. First of all, have you answered yes to his invitation to come? Jesus has extended an invitation to each and every one of us, and he calls us and, and graciously says, come and follow me. So this is where we've got to start. Before we even think about when and where, share the gospel, the why, are you in this relationship with the one who asked you it, it to come and follow him? So have you answered that question? Secondly, have you acknowledged his authority in your life? Is he truly not only Savior, but also Lord? We don't separate those things. They are together. If we have called on Jesus to be Savior, he is also Lord of our lives. And have you said yes, not only to the invitation to come, but to the reality of that I need to submit to the authority of the one of whom I follow? So if you've answered those questions, yes, then all the, the when and where part now applies. If you're still struggling with the answer to the question uh, about who Jesus is in your life, I want to encourage you. I want to just ask, pray that you respond positively to that question. And as we close the service in a little bit, I want you to just respond in any way God shows you, lays it on your heart. If you have not said yes to Jesus, today is the day of salvation according to the word of God. So with the message title that we have and the outline that you have in front of you, there's two more questions that we're going to answer, the when and where. When and where do we share the gospel? Well, I'm going to answer that with one word. It's really a, a cool study, and it's, it's neat that it's right there in the Great Commission, the word go. A little small two-letter word that's going to answer both of the questions of when and where. Go. So as we understand how this word, what this word means then we're gonna be able to, to understand the answer to the questions. I'm gonna go ahead and give you the answer. You got, well, you have one little blank beside the two questions, right? It's gonna be very profound. You're gonna to have to think really hard about this. I know it's gonna be difficult, but get ready, okay? There it is. When, whenever, where, wherever, right? So we understand the Great Commission, the, the when and where do we share the gospel? It's, it's whenever and wherever. Those are the those are the two answers. Now, you might say, well, you, you filled into my blanks. I'm, you're done now. Can we just go ahead and move on? Well, I'm going to explain what these things mean just a little bit so we can apply them to our lives. So whenever and wherever, the word go. So as we understand what this means, this, this participle in the Greek means as you are going, and it conveys the idea of continuous action. As you are already going and will continue to go in your life as you are already going and will continue to go in your life. So that's a little two-letter word, very small, but it means more than just what you might think. It, it doesn't mean just as, as you go on a trip, you plan a trip and then you go. The reality of this word means go as you are going and as you continue to go. It's a continuous action that's part of our lives. And if you think about what I just said, then you'll see the answer to both of those questions in there, the whenever and the wherever. So, as you are going, when? And as you continue to go, when? So the next question is where, wherever. So the challenge for us is where is your wherever? Think about where you go. Where is your wherever? 
because we all have places that we go on a regular basis and things that we do. Now, Jesus addressed this question with his followers, and they, they had a certain uh, thing that they were thinking about, certain thing on their mind, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We're going to look at that passage and, and think about the where just a little bit more. So uh, Acts chapter 1, verse, excuse me, I'm going to start with verse 6, but verses 6 through 8. So when they had come together, they, his followers, asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Talked about authority a little while ago. This is God's work. He chooses the times. So it's not for us to know that answer. But then Jesus kind of turns the, the focus of what they're trying to look for and gives them what they need to know. In verse 8 he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So Jesus uh, instructed those that were asking this question, look, you're asking the wrong question. And he needed to refocus their attention. Because in verse 8 he says, but you. So he was helping them see what their role and consequently our role as we understand what Scripture is instructing here, this is speaking to us as well as followers of Jesus Christ, that our role is not to, to worry about the time, the season, things like that. They were looking for the answer and the type of uh, coming again that was going to happen, but that Jesus had a different plan, that we need to understand that he was calling them and calling us to be a part of the process and seeing the kingdom of God come about, and that was to be his witnesses. So a couple of things before we move into the location specifically. There's something that's identified here as the power of the Holy Spirit, and we don't want to miss that. So the question that, that I have for you this morning is, have you received that power? Now, we cannot go in our own power, and if, if you have trusted in Jesus Christ and received uh, that deposit in your life, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, we are to go in that power. We recognize that Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit, gives us the power that we need to go and to share the gospel. And that's really the only way that we're effectively going to do it. And then if once we've received that, have, are we willing to go and be his witnesses? So the, the where question, and just to unpack these just a little bit to make them uh, fit, understand how they are in our culture today, these, these different locations, the Jerusalem aspect, the, the local, the where it starts, right where they were, aspect of it. What does that look like for us today? Locally, schools, jobs, neighborhoods, wherever you are, wherever God has placed you, that the, this is our, our local area. And do, the question I have is, do we see these as mission fields? When you're in your neighborhood and you're out in your neighborhood and you're visiting neighbors, do you, do you think about it as a, that I'm going on mission for God to my neighbors? When you're going to school, do you see it as an opportunity to be going on mission for God. As you go to work, do you see that as a mission field, an opportunity to go and be on mission for God? And you'll, Greg Laurie calls this frangelism. And if you're, you're part of a connect group, you'll hear this in the, the video tonight. But frangelism, F-R-A-N, acronym, gelism. So the F is friends. The R is relatives. The A is acquaintances in neighbors. So friends, relatives, acquaintances, neighbors. 
All these people in the various places that we go, as we are going each and every day, are opportunities for us to share our faith. Even, you know, I'm not even moving on to the, the rest of it yet, but just thinking about our local area, God has brought the nations to us in a way. Now, we still want to go and, and be able to take trips, but first of all, we need to understand that there are people around us who need the gospel. But if you think about just in our neighborhood, it's amazing. Across the street, we have a family, an Egyptian family. Next door to them, the father is Japanese. Across the street this way, uh, Vietnamese. Three houses that are just straight across the street from us. It's the nations. God has brought the nations to our neighborhood. So one of the things for Suzanne and I is that are we going to recognize that where God has placed us in our home, that's a mission field right there. And it's not only just people who are like us, that look like us, that talk like us, eat the same food as us. It's people from all over the world are right there in our neighborhood. And the question is, do we see that as a mission? Are we going to go? And are we going to have the, the, the heart for these people that God does and go and share the gospel with them? So the Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, more uh, regionally, kind of locally where we are. And I, like, I like to look at those two areas as, as something we need to be aware of too. People that are like us and people that aren't like us. You know, the Samaritans, uh, basically the way the Jews saw them as half-breeds. Right, They were looked down upon in that culture. And we have people like that in our culture as well. Sometimes, and it's not the same for all of us. We have people in our region and people that, that we can look at and say, you know, I'm more comfortable with those people. I'm more, we're more like them. Or we have more things in common. But everybody has somebody in some way, shape, or form that we look at as different. And we just, we just have that, that barrier at times that gets in the way. But the question is, do we have a heart for everybody like God does? Understanding that every single person, and this is actually, we saw a little video clip, and we're going to talk about it next week, sanctity of the human life issue is more than just the abortion issue. It, it's about human life, period. If we can have a grasp of understanding every single person created in the image of God, loved by God, they're not, they're not necessarily followers of Christ at this point. It doesn't matter what they look like, where they're from what their belief system is. God loves them. They are created in his image, and that human life is very important to God. So that's why we go places like West Virginia and Detroit and ministering to prostitutes and, and wherever it is that God sends us and whoever we go to. You know, people that aren't like us, we need to have the heart for God no matter where they're from. I'm just going to mention this very briefly, but in a I think it's important for us to think about these types of things sometimes because we have tunnel vision. Sometimes this is not a political statement, although very often when we stand on the Word of God, it can be translated into one. So you take it however you want. I'm just going to stand on what the Word of God has to say, all right? I know whatever you believe, whatever you support, you know, our, it doesn't matter. Uh, our hope in, is not found in the president, our hope is not found in political system, political party, any of that. Our hope is found in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Now, the reality is that we need to have a more of a biblical view and understanding of even the social issues that are going on in our culture today. And one of those things would even have to do with a situation like immigration. And I know some of you that are in the news and you read things a lot, you've heard the comments that were made this week, very uh, profane way 
that our president referred to certain countries. The reality is that Jesus loves those people in those countries. And we need to see the immigration issue through the lens of the gospel and be more worried about souls than we are about economic prosperity, all right? So the reality is uh, we need to pray for our president no matter what you believe, absolutely, positively. I believe that with all of my heart. But also, we need to be willing to stand up and say when something is said that is wrong, we need to call it wrong, all right? Now, you can go back and see what that referred to if you want to look up the headlines from this past week. But the reality is people from Haiti, whatever, whatever country it is, those people in those countries and those countries are just as important to the heart of God than the United States of America. Now, I love the country that I live in. And I'm not, don't, please do not hear me the wrong way in that. But God loves everyone, no matter where they're from. And that's why we go. That's why we share, because God loves everybody. So we need to be willing to go to people who don't look like us, who don't believe like us. And we also need to be willing to go to the ends of the earth. That's why we go on international trips. Like I said, the, the people have come to us, but also we need to continue to go and look for ways that we can reach people in Ecuador, in Haiti, in East Asia, Central Asia, wherever it is that God opens the door for us to go. We need to be willing to say, yes, Lord, I will go. That's what God calls us to do as his followers, to go and share the gospel. So as we think about who, uh, we're going to be, who is in view in this? We're going to be talking about who and how in the weeks to come. But God, you know, he's called all of us to this. It's not just a, just because I'm a, a pastor and some other people have been called to certain roles. As a follower of Christ, we're all called to go and to share and to tell someone. In the weeks ahead, we're also going to be talking about the how, how to share your story, how to share the gospel, how to to get into that type of conversation where it'll open a door for you to be able to talk about what Jesus has done in your life. But I just want to close with um, one more passage of Scripture that I think we mentioned before, but, but uh, just to understand the depth of what it looks like for us to be the ones who go and share. In Romans chapter 10, verses 13 through 15. Romans 10, 13 through 15. And I'm going to use the uh, New Living Translation on this particular passage uh, just as an illustration for you, because most of our translations use the word preaching. And, uh, but I want you to understand what that, what that actually means. And I think this, the, the understanding of that phrase is captured well in this translation. But in Romans 10, verses 13 through 15, first of all, we see that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So the reality is if we want to see people saved, they need to be able to call on the name of the Lord, right? So we're going to talk more about that as we move forward. But verse 14 says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them, someone preaches and how will they go and tell them or preach without being sent? That is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. So we see in view here that this involves all of us together as followers of Christ that we are, we are to be sent by him. We are to go and share. So uh, the question I have for us as we close this morning is 
as we think about this, that we have been invited to come. Have you accepted that invitation? We've been commanded to go. Are you willing to follow that command? And do you understand the depth of the privilege that it is to be sent? This is part of God's plan. God could have done it any way that he wanted to, but what he did in his sovereign plan was allowed us to be a part of his, his, uh, his work and seeing people reach with the gospel of Christ. So we are invited to come, commanded to go, and privileged to be sent. If you'll join me as we pray this morning. Father, thank you for just for your, your grace. Lord, it just amazes me when I read scripture and understand and see the depth of your love and your forgiveness. Lord, uh, we don't deserve any of what you give us and offer to us. We have not earned it, but it's because of your great grace, Lord, your great love that you have extended to us things that we don't deserve, and you've withheld from us things that we do deserve. Lord, thank you for, for that forgiveness. And Lord, we, we recognize that you have a, a sovereign plan, a way that you've allowed things to take place and that you desire to see happen in the future that it wouldn't be a plan that we would come up on our own, come up with on our own, Lord. It, it's something that is indescribable in human terms, but it's just amazing to see that you have extended grace to all people, no matter where they're from or what they look like or what they believe, Lord, but you have allowed us as well to be a part of taking that message to other people. The, Father, the great gospel, the, the, the thing that has made the difference in our lives of understanding what Jesus has done for us, that we have the privilege to be able to go and share that with other people. So as we think about the the when and where, Lord, impress upon our hearts to understand it's whenever and it's wherever. It's, it's the people that you put in our path that are across the street, no matter where they're from, uh, no matter what they believe, Lord, that they are in need of the gospel. And we have that, <laughs> and we can share it. Lord, stir our hearts. Help us, Father, to just to live out what we say we believe. We need your help in that, Lord. We, we know that we can't do this in a way that honors you on our own. So we ask, Lord, that you would do a great work in stirring our hearts. Father, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for your love for us. We pray, Father, that you will just work in and through us as we even now respond to your word and the things you've stirred in our hearts to do, Lord. We just want to say we love you today. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we close this morning, if you'll just stand and just respond however God has laid it on your heart. First of all, in the, the invitation to come, have you uh, understood and realized what it means to be a follower of Christ? Have you accepted that invitation? That invitation is open today to come and follow him. As followers of Christ, that we understand that we are commanded to go. And it's a, a command that has authority, but it's also a, a command that has privilege and honor to be able to go in the name of the one who has saved us. So whatever it is that God has shown you today, whatever he's laid on your heart, I encourage you to respond 
to what that is. It could be right where you are or just to take that step to come to the altar and pray. Even if it's to pray for as we move forward as a church, not only individually as we share our faith, but also what that looks like as we go and impact our community and our world with the gospel of Christ. So however God prompts you today, just respond to that. Thank you for listening to this audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church. We welcome you to join us next Sunday at 10.30 a.m. for our weekly worship service. If you have found this resource helpful, then please share it with others and check out our ministries at ebcconnect.org.